Hi, everyone. Welcome back to Morning Tea. Hello, hello. Hope everybody's doing so well. Yes, yes. We hope that everyone is enjoying the last dog days of summer. And And my God, is it so (laughs) fucking hot, y'all. Yeah, literally. Um, We hope that you're tanning. If you do that, we're hoping that you're enjoying whatever summer. an abundance of protection. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, (laughs) And we're getting. (laughs) You're insane. Sunblock is necessary. I know. And I say this this having a uh, precancerous mole removed under my arm last summer. Literally. um, And I go into the sun. I mean, I use 15, but like, I'm sorry, I want to tan. And nothing really works over 30. So it's like, come on, you know? Mm-hmm. <laughs> but we have musicals to talk about this episode and we have a lot of them to talk about this episode so we're going to do a little abridged hot topics we have a few that we want to talk about but then we're going to get really into the meat and potatoes so we have time to really talk about the shows that that need to be spoken about really but marlena i want to start today with a with an old friend who has resurfaced into the news media as of these days we know her as sam from iCarly and Sam and Cat, but Jeanette McCurdy has just released a pretty revealing and honest and vulnerable um, memoir called yeah. "I'm Glad That My Mom Died." I think it's called that. Everywhere, it's all over Instagram. I call it um, well, it it is called Bookstagram. All of yeah. the people that I follow <laughs> with their beautiful aesthetic bookshelves that make me jealous. Um, yeah, it's everywhere. Everybody is saying to buy it, except you can't because it's sold out everywhere and it's already, you know, totally checked out in libraries and everything too, which yeah. is amazing for her. But yeah, it I sold cannot out. wait to read it. It sold out on Amazon literally one day after launching, which is just like Amazon. Insane. Like, I feel like Amazon is infinite, you know? Um, but yeah, so she spoke about a lot. She spoke about the uh, mistreatment and abuse that she got during the iCarly days, which I feel like this man, because this man created, he created all the Nickelodeons. So Zoe 101, Victorious, iCarly, Drake and Josh, right. all of those. She spoke about other guest, uh, co-stars, particularly Ariana Grande. She really came out. And again, I, I don't know. I haven't read the book, obviously. And I don't know if this is... Um, her current feelings on her but it was definitely her feelings back during Sam and Cat. and yeah she just spoke about kind of I feel like in general the perils of being a child child star star and talked about her eating disorder that was literally reinforced and fueled by her own mother the excerpt that I read of her therapist listening to her say my mom was only looking out for me so she encouraged me to be in a caloric deficit all the time and the therapist is like staring at her and saying that that's abuse and she yeah. literally becomes so violent and she has such a violent reaction to that that she has to leave and you know it's like physically sick because that's the first time that it's ever been pointed out to her i think it's probably going to be fantastic i can't wait to read it yeah i must read it she said particularly about Ariana Grande that she felt very resentful and jealous and was pissed mm. off because it was at that time during Sam and Cat time that Ariana Grande was really um, blowing up in like the pop music space. But she would frequently miss tapings to go mm. sing at the Grammys or to play charades at Tom Hanks's house or <laughs> all these different. You I know, also really... would miss things to play right? charades yeah, at I mean, Tom Hanks. I would too, but. She was missing all of the uh, taping days. But on the flip side, Jeanette wasn't allowed to ever miss to do feature films mm. that she was out for or any of that nature. So it was just like right. 
I'm trapped here while this girl is not only advancing her career, but doing basically everything that I want, you know? Right. And she was not afraid to speak. She was like, I literally said, fuck this. Like, fuck this girl and <laughs> goodbye. Like, she was over it. Yeah. yeah. I'm excited for her, you know, for the success of this. And the last thing I just want to say about it is I feel like it's it has to be the TV and film industry because here's the thing. Let's look at Lindsay Lohan. Let's look at um, Demi Lovato, uh, Drake Bell. Uh, Aaron Carter. Real- <clears throat> I mean, the list is Drew infinite. Barrymore. yeah about these kids that start and a lot of the time for a lot of the times it came out of disney i feel like it was a big disney channel pipeline cyrus oh yeah but come on lost her fucking mind yeah and i don't know if it's the working conditions i don't know if it's just like having to deal with all that comes with fame at that age but like right overall whatever it is whether it's production companies, whether it's parents, whether it's agents, like we need to be putting in protective barriers for these children um, because they're talent. They're wickedly talented. And it's just sad that they give all this talent and then have to spend X amount of years kind of picking up the pieces while other people are profiting off of their, you know what I mean? It's just right off of their success. It is. It's absolutely sick. Yeah. Yeah. Well, the next quick thing, which me and Marlena disagree on is (laughs) the sun will not set after 8 p.m. now until May of 2023, which means the days are getting shorter, the nights are getting longer, and mm. although it doesn't feel like it, the heat is on its way out. Which right, is... which is the part that I'm most excited for. Mm. We haven't talked yeah. about this yet, but, I mean, I, I am a summer baby. My birthday literally was on Monday, so I... <gasps> That's right! Happy <laughs> birthday, babe! Thanks! It was a wonderful birthday, but I am a summer baby, right? So I enjoy... I love the beach. I love the sun. I love to tan. I love everything about it. And mostly, I love when it's over because the fall is just delicious mm. to me. I love everything about it. And I can't wait, really. Yeah. So I I can partially agree with you. I love the holiday season. Yeah. So I love Halloween. Eh, I'm excited <laughs> for the thought of Halloween. I don't participate in it. But I love Thanksgiving time and I love Christmas time and I love New Year's. But like once me and Catherine were talking about this actually a few days ago, once we get into like the January, February and March of winter where it's like dark when we go to work and dark when we leave and it's cold rain or it's like mushy, gross. It's just like I can't do that. I'm not built for it and I'm annoyed by it. Yeah, I mean, I absolutely suffer from seasonal affective disorder, like 100%. But the lead into it really – is worth yeah. it for me. True. True. And the last the hot topic yeah. is a sad one, but it's going to segue us into the meat and potatoes. Marlena, I feel like you have to take this because it really yeah. hit you. Yeah, it really, really did. Olivia Newton-John lost her battle with breast cancer. What was this, two days ago? Um, It was Monday, was... I believe. It was on your birthday. Oh, on my birthday. Yes. That's why yeah. I was extra devastated. Yeah, Olivia Newton-John has passed. And there were so, my God, so many sweet tributes. What John Travolta wrote brought me to tears. People are drawing beautiful things of characters that she's played. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I, obviously, for me, it's it's Grease and the yeah. abundance of times that I have watched that movie over my lifespan. But I just hear that she was lovely. Yeah. We work with um, an Australian producer on one of our shows, and we were talking to him about it. and. Apparently, they lost not only Olivia, but Australia lost other iconic 
stars that I didn't recognize the names of. Uh, but he was like, yeah, the country is just in a set of mourning at this moment because it was Literally. just an icon, you know? And like you said, just so beloved. Like, I don't think I saw anyone not know who she was. Even people that aren't in, like, the entertainment space was like, oh, my God. Because she was right. a pop star a little bit as yes. well. And she did Xanadu and, like, all these iconic things. Yeah. And, yeah, definitely a loss for sure. Yeah, absolutely. So that All right. us, leads us right down the road. <laughs> Into <laughs> the musicals. So I feel like we need to give some context here. I mean, I feel like um, this is special because this yeah. is literally everything that ha- that tied us at the beginning. Yeah. And that's, that's why I feel like the context that we need to give here very briefly. So there was a group, a community theater group in the good old Manahawkin, New Jersey. It started in... Barnegat. Barnegat, right? at or a... Barnegat Light. I feel like it even started in Barnegat oh, yeah, Light. Yeah, yeah. I mean, when I was there, it was in yeah. Barnegat, but yes. So yep. it started the the iconic mm-hmm. Sherry D. Schnepp created Arguing Players in Barnegat Light um, at this point over 40 years ago. Yeah. Uh, when Marlena was in it as a little youngin, <laughs> as she just said, it was in Barnegat. Yeah, and a then, broken down school with like asbestos curtains that oh, probably are going to take me out at some point early. I believe that. I truly believe that. Oh, don't say it. Don't say <laughs> it. Uh, and then I joined in 2010 for mm-hmm. Oliver. Marlena was not a part. Of, she had left because obviously, you know, you grow up, you go to high school, you go to college, you know, you become an adult. And then in 2011 or 2012, I should say, our gang did Legally Blonde. And Jessica mm-hmm. O'Brien brought us together. She said, because they had worked together for years prior. Yeah, and I met I Jess worked... when I was seven years old, yeah. literally. Yeah, yeah. So so Jess brought us back <laughs> together. And from that moment on is when this friendship uh, began. And we worked on an exhausting amount of shows and projects for our gang. I was thinking really... about it. One right after the other. Literally, a show would mm-hmm. end and we would have rehearsal yeah. for another one on the same day. Yeah. We were running the company is what it was. Like, <laughs> like... <laughs> we were... Yeah. Yep, 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 yep. So love our gang, love all those people. It has sadly closed its doors as COVID affected a lot of things. It took it out. Um, but it was a great time. So when we talk about shows that we love or that we worked on together, or we talk about these personal stories that I'm sure are going to come out about them. That is the context of it. Yeah. And literally it's all thanks to them, you know? Like yeah. Th- that is a beloved, beloved part of my my life. Yeah. And to my dismay, I don't believe that Marlena has worked on a show since I forced her, and by force meaning I just put her in the program as this title, and because she refused to come to rehearsals, and I said, "No, you will be." That's not true. I was there. I was there. She was. She was. She was the creative consultant when I directed a production of The Music Man. But that was the last show, right? That you worked on. That we worked on together. Right, and that's the last show I ever, I ever did. I just haven't done theater since then. There's plans to get her back. Don't you worry, people. She doesn't know it yet, but 30 is going to be the year. All right. Oh, my gosh. So, I'm not 30 yet. I'm only 29. She, oh, my God. She's not. She's not. I wasn't, I wasn't going to throw your age out there, but I was just saying 30 is the well, year. All right, so Marlena. I start? Like, what do we do? I feel like my immediate thought is the first show I ever did and the first show I ever actually saw on Broadway. Okay. Because those two shows – one of them is still dear to me. So the first show I ever did, I was seven years old. I 
Oh, that's not true. It's the second show. But the first one was Snow White, which I, I – we can talk about like the Disney princess shows. Nick and I are very – we differ <laughs> on our favorite Disney princess show. Mine will forever be Beauty and the Beast. Mm. Nick is a Little Mermaid guy. Yes, we could fight over that. So yeah, the was first- it se- was it Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs, or was it Cherry oh, no, no, Schnapps' no. iconic Snow White and the Seventy Dwarfs? No, no, Snow White and the Seventy Dwarfs, and okay, I was seven, a little zero. skunk. Yep, I was a little forest creature. I had the best costume. But the second show I did, I was still seven, but it was Joseph and the Amazing Technicolor Dreamcoat, and that is what spawned my deep, deep love for musicals that tell the mm. entire story through song. I love that. Which yeah. leads into, I mean, another Andrew Lloyd Webber. Yes, a song sickle. Evita is one of my favorite shows mm. of all time. Interesting. No. I mean, I love Evita for Patti Lapone, obviously. <laughs> obviously. Um, I've I've only seen one singular production of Evita on stage. Um, it, it's just confusing to me. I understand the more I listen to it, and the more I, if I worked on it, I feel like I would have a very different feel because obviously yes. you learn about the text as an audience member. Avita can be what the fuck is going on in this moment. That's um, fair. That's fair you know because I mean? a lot of it, yes. And then, you know, like who is Che? Is Che her conscience? Is Che a ghost? Is che, yes. Yeah. There's a, a lot of interpretation that goes into that. But it's funny because for you, I almost think it would be fascinating because it's political. It's so deeply well, political. Yeah. yeah um, but yeah, I would love to work on it. I think it's one of those, it's one of those shows, which there'll be a lot of those that like, you just need the right cast. There are mm. some shows that we can't fake it till we make it. And I'm talking about in like a community theater and regional level, like on Broadway, like we should always just be doing our best foot forward. But like <laughs> right. on, le- got on the money to support that. Yeah. On other levels, like you just need the cast. And I don't know if the time I saw it was was it. <laughs> the cast. You know what I mean? I yeah. do. But that's that is the thing is that when we did it. It was a good cast, like a supremely good cast. Yeah. I wasn't around. That was that was just, just before. before. Yeah. yeah. What was the first show you ever worked on? I used to do shows up until the end of high school. But the first show I ever did, oh, oh which one was it? It was either Footloose or oh they, my did a, God. they did a very illegal version of <laughs> a smorgasbord of shows that was named Wicked Shop of Horrors uh, or Susical, which oh, for anyone that knows me, I could do Susical eight times a week for the rest of my life. It is, again, a cast, a show where you need a good cast, but if it's done right, and I know all of my Wagner friends that are listening, you, they're going to blow up social media because they are also with me in this camp. It is just such a good show. Such a good show. I love most of the music of Susical. Mm-hmm. I don't find it to be one of my favorites mm. in any capacity. I do. I really love some of the music. Yeah. But I've seen a number. I haven't done it. To be fair, but I, I've seen ever number. No, I've never been in it. Mm, that's like me never doing it. It was literally anything. the year after I graduated high school they did it. Wow, yeah. wow, that's right. Yeah. That is right, actually. But the first show I ever worked on in a, I'm not going to count summer stock because I did both. I was a performer and I also did like crew with Duber. Um, Duber, I know. Talk about a brilliant creative who just made yeah. every experience with her better. The first show I ever actually worked on was probably Oliver with mm. Jessica. And you have deep love for Oliver. 
I do have deep love for Oliver. I just found out that City Center is doing it for their encores in like next spring. So I, I must let it, see it. Wow. Yeah, I don't know why. I think, again, maybe like you with Evita, Jessica O'Brien directed such a beautiful production of it in my mind. Yeah. And I feel like she really helped me understand the text. Because at the time I was like, oh, God, 2010. I was what? 13 years old 14 years old maybe like I had no sense of like <laughs> theatrical <laughs> text and script analyst and all this mm. stuff yeah but it was just a really really um fun time so yeah those were my two I would say uh Susicle and then Oliver what is your favorite show that you ever directed because I I oh. don't know if everybody listening knows but Nick Durst is an incredibly talented I mean in, in all areas of theater um but most specifically in my humble opinion, with stage management and direction. Oh, thank you. I appreciate those kind words. <laughs> um, best favorite show I've ever directed. So it's hard. I'm trying to think of all the things I've directed. They all hold a different special place. Cause I have been yeah. very lucky. I will say that when I've directed, I've had people and companies behind me that kind of really let me choose what I wanted to do and run with it. Um, I think Spelling Bee at Wagner was really, mm. really up there for me. Um, I didn't direct it for the college. It was a student-run production. But it was my first time doing a show that wasn't in proscenium format. It was my first time having to kind of really um, make it work with a low budget. And, yeah. you know, I think that I did. Um, but I also really enjoyed – I did Significant Other with Bellarine Theatre Company over the pandemic – and I really enjoyed that experience as well because it was, again, another way of storytelling. It was a completely yeah. Zoom production. Um, it was fun for me because I got to work with, you know, people I was friends with in town, but also people I was friends with from Wagner because people could have auditioned anywhere um, and people I didn't know. So that was really fun. So I would say those two, if I had to really take the cake, it probably would be Spelling Bee. Yeah. I love How that. about you? What's the, because Marlena's also, let's not. <laughs> just let her go by here she also used to stage manage because we used to stage manage together i was never around marlena um when she was a director but i always would lean on her heavily when i was directing so i could tell that she's also an incredible director but what she has that i will never have is a keen sense for costuming <laughs> this girl would costume full shows um so what was the favorite your favorite show that you ever you know stage managed or helped with costumes hair you know uh, so my favorite show, honestly, all around for all technical things was Cabaret. Mm. Literally, Jess and I were in <laughs> Parkertown, which for those of you who'd never got to set foot into that lovely space, it was just essentially a warehouse full of um, costumes that at any given time was roughly 110 degrees. <laughs> so we would go there for literally entire days and rip through yeah. costumes and try them on people and then take them off and try something else. We costumed that entire production just by staying there, you know, in that freaking sauna box for hours and hours and days and days. Uh, and then I also, you know, got to style wigs for that. I got to do people's hair for that. I was doing makeup. It was so, so creative. And there mm -hmm. was so much input that I, you know, was was asked to contribute that was so grateful for. And I, I loved it. I loved how it turned out. Everybody looked so hot. And I just love that show. I love Cabaret. Yeah. Yeah. That was a good one. All right. So we went through, we went through that. I feel like we got to tackle this list, right? I know. I know. So let's let's start with the classics. Okay. So I'm going to start with probably a hot take, but like Annie needs to be retired for a moment. It just needs to be. <laughs> there are too many productions of this happening all over the world. I have never 
ever in my <laughs> career theater worked on a production of Annie. And I don't I understand. Ho- <laughs> I hold that medal so high for myself <laughs> because I can't. I just can't. I'm trying to think of how many I personally have, let alone how many I've seen. Purposely. And it's become it's become this like Christmas, like everyone does it around Christmas now. I'm like, why is it this like Christmas homecoming? Because the musical? culmination of the the production is a, a Christmas party, essentially, where all of the orphans get gifts from Daddy. What are you talking about? Okay. So I have done. I think I've done three productions of Annie, and mm. again. The one with our gang that Jess O'Brien directed in, God, I don't know, maybe like 2009. I have no idea when it was. Was phenomenal. Literally phenomenal. So I have a soft spot for Annie because Mm -hmm. it it was, I don't know, I was like Mrs. I was house staff every time. And it was just fun. You know, it was just fun. Yeah, like. Yeah. I mean, like I, it's overdone. I understand what you're saying in that. That's the thing. It's not space. for me. It's not that it's a, a a bad show. I just don't know. I guess it's an easy show to do in terms of like revenue wise. People are always going to love it. They're going to come see it. Kids Absolutely. are in it, so you get their family. Like I get it yes. from like a administration side why we can t- constantly do it. But I'm just like, there has to be more out there, right? I, there is more out there. That's yeah. The problem. yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, The Sound of Music. Oh, okay. So, I I have to, like, be fair here because The Sound of Music is Bianca's favorite movie of all time. Really? All time. Nick, she could watch it. At, yep. She will watch it at any given time. I mean, obviously, Julie Andrews is the selling point of that. But, yes, her favorite. So, I have had more exposure to it in the la- in last few years that we have been together than ever before because historically it just wasn't my thing. What I will say is that The Sound of Music Live with Carrie Underwood was one of the worst things I've ever seen. Okay. So, now we're going to fight. <laughs> I was gifted this. I did it on purpose. I know you did because I was laughing already thinking about your reaction when I was going to bring it up. So, <laughs> I need everyone to to look at the mural of this. Okay. So you had Christian Borle, Laura Bonanti, Audrey McDonald. Mm. You, I, I'm sure yeah, the other optics were good. The that optics seemed right? good. You have all of these Broadway veterans. So am I going to sit here right now and tell and say to you that Carrie Underwood, a country music star who's never done this before in her life, was better than any of those people? No, I'm not. From a marketing standpoint, I see why Carrie Underwood was put in that role because at the time she was beloved by all, myself included. But that woman held her own. For the first time ever doing that, I thought it was pretty good. And I will still say that I think Sound of Music Live is one of the best live musicals that have been put on television. So, um, yes, okay, in in the context of not very good musicals being put yeah. live on television, this, I guess, was not the worst one. So I, I retract my statement that it's one of the worst things I've ever seen. I just like to Thank be you. dramatic. I like that. <laughs> I appreciate that. Yes. I, I okay. And we she to- sounded beautiful. Like she couldn't act and I will and I will give her that. Like it was Thank not you. acting was not her strong suit. But like we could also talk about like is Maria really an exciting character like at all? I would venture to say no. But whoa, 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 whoa. She she sounded beautiful. Maria is mind. a rebel. Who are you? Anyway, okay. <laughs> but that's that is the problem. And that is the problem, my problem for my entire life is I have, and we talked about this with Beanie Feldstein as well, pretty girls who can sing get all the fucking attention. 
Yes. Right? If you cannot act in yeah. any production, even if all you do is sing, I am uninterested and unimpressed. Yeah. Make yeah. me feel everything. I feel like in all three pillars of musical theater, acting, singing, and dancing, you are acting at all times, actually, right? We all should be acting times. while we're dancing. We should be acting while we're singing through the song, and we should yep. be acting, acting while we're while acting. We're acting. <laughs> For sure. We have to talk about West Side. We, like, actually yeah. have to yeah. talk about West Side. Yeah. I have a lot I've of never done. I've never done a production of West Side. Um, mm. But... It's one of the hardest productions I've ever done in my life. But. Yeah. I feel like <laughs> that is usually the the message behind it is that it mm-hmm. is so, so deeply wearing on the people that do it. But yeah, it's just – it's a classic. And I love the original movie. I love the remake that just came out with uh, oh, yeah, Aaron we did. DeBose. We saw that. Yeah, that, that was, was gorgeous. And I thought that everything they did in it was amazing. So it's, it's iconic though. You know, like it is – Jess talks about it all the time. It is literally the first show that included all three, right? You had to have – you had to be a triple threat in order to be able to do the show. Yep. And it's so relevant. Yeah. It was relevant when it came out. It was relevant when I did it in 2018 or whatever. It's Mm -hmm. relevant. Sure as hell, it's relevant now. You know, it it will never be not relevant, which is sad in a way because we're not learning. And I feel like (laughs) – yeah, <laughs> West Side Story is one of those because there are musicals every now and then that will penetrate um, just like the musical theater bubble and get to more a yes. more mainstream, widespread audience. Grease did that. Annie did that. And I feel like West Side is another one yeah. um, that people that you don't need to be a musical theater lover to love West Side. I feel like people who aren't really in the musical theater space, if you ask them their favorite show, most times it will be West Side. You know what I mean? Yeah. And that's the the reach of it. Yeah. No, I agree. We must talk about two of, I think, our all-time favorites between both of us, Gypsy and Cabaret. So. <laughs> like, y- I just. Yes. Yeah. Yes, we must. And those were probably two of the more intense shows that we worked on. Yeah. Both personally and. Show. Yeah. <laughs> Quite. <laughs> Quite. Quite. Um, yeah. So. Thinking about the unrest of our personal lives in those two eras is truly yeah. Oh god, that's funny. It's quite triggering, actually. Which one, came, which one came first? I really black Cabaret it out at this did. point. Cabaret did. Okay. Yeah. Um. Yeah, Cabaret was special. It, we did it at the Surflight Theater, mm, which was a perfect, perfect setting. It was the perfect that. stage. It was the perfect size. It was the. I think it was the perfect cast. Um, I agree. We had one hiccup on closing night, but you know, whatever. Oh and <laughs> and yeah, there's just something about that show. And I, even to this day, I can't really even put my like words to it, but it's yeah. just so good. I think that I also have, um, this is going to sound really bad, so let me clarify it. I have an affinity to World War II and the Holocaust. I was just going to say anything that has yeah. to do with the Holocaust. I I not enjoy that again. I like how do yeah. I speak about this without sounding like a psychopath? Yeah. I'm not. You know I what I mean. Even, so I think that definitely ties into it as well. One hundred percent. Yeah. It again. It's something that is politically interesting. Yeah. The best cast recording for those of you that are interested, in my opinion, is the one with Natasha Richardson. All right. Absolutely. Um, oh god yeah that was another horrible loss but yeah i just i think that show is is fantastic it's always interesting it there's so much opportunity for costumes lighting set design to Mm -hmm. be minimalistic so powerful yeah 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 so good 
And Sally is just oh my crazy God. in the best ways. Like yes. I would be I would be friends with Sally Bowles, you know? Right. But and she Cliff, is yeah. eccentric yeah. and she's funny and she's full of life and she's super fucking selfish. You know, yeah. she is such a flawed protagonist. Yeah, and there's the MC, I feel like every time I read it, every time I watch it, there's like there's something else. And as an actor, I'm not. But I feel like that is such a juicy role to play. Yes. There's so much that you so can find nuance. out. So much nuance. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. I saw the um the revival of it with Emma Stone. and I'm so jealous. Yeah. It was ridiculous. Again, it was – was it at Studio 54? Maybe. It or was, was it Circle in the Square? I don't know. Okay. It was oh, just so good. And being – in the presence of Alan actually made me like weak. He was yeah. standing directly next to my table. I can't, I can't even imagine. <laughs> yeah. I need the London current production to transfer because it just looks so cool. Yeah. Um, it does. Yeah. Now, Gypsy, in my opinion, is one of, if not the best musical that may have been ever written. Because there's like, and I have to say, like, there, we all know this, like, there's a divide. Like, Broadway as, as an industry, I feel like, has taken a turn. And now we do a lot of, adaptations off of things that are already big brands and already have you know a base whereas these musicals we're talking about you know the greats and original work <laughs> yeah. not saying that we don't have we have greats now in the modern day that i'm sure in 100 years people will be like oh my god but yeah gypsy is it's again it's one of those shows that has so many juicy characters both for actors and audience members the choreography just the theatricality of it in general it is such a theatrical experience that show and i love it and patty lapone is the best mama rose and i don't care what anyone says yeah thank me that show was fun to do i was stage managing with you but brie dini did the costumes for that Mm -hmm. and i helped in the smallest of capacities but it was amazing to watch her create like you're saying these just absolutely ridiculously ornate and beautiful costumes yeah and i just think that gypsy as a show is just brilliant i read on directing by arthur lawrence who wrote the book for gypsy and directed i believe patty's version of it um obviously sondheim wrote you know the lyrics um another r.i.p yeah yeah I feel like Broadway's having a renaissance of Sondheim, as it should. As it should, for sure. But yeah, I don't, it's just, it's hard for me. I feel like a bad theater person because I can't even encapsulate into words some of these shows. I know. And how they make me feel. But I feel like that speaks to them. It's just that. It is just, I don't know, the music is so good. I think Mama Rose is a crazy bitch that I would love to be friends (laughs) with in real life. Um, I feel like I have melded her and Patti Lapone to be one in my head. <laughs> yeah, um, me too. Yeah. yeah. I don't know if a better one exists for you. I think it really is it, your top. Yeah, and that and that's a show though, but I like I Susical I could do every day for like, you know, ever and ever and ever. Gypsy I can't because I does I think it does take an emotional toll personally for me. Yeah. Yeah. And also I just feel like it's one of those shows again that if it's not a ten out of ten stellar cast i'm just not interested in it correct i agree rose is just it's a it's a case study really and it's based (laughs) off of a real 
it's it's based off of a real person too like yeah. it's not just made up you know what i mean like it is you should read gypsy rose lee's what gypsy rose lee's memoir you should read all about the real mama rose like it's so yes. so interesting and that's why i loved working with um just o'brien because she really has an emphasis on like going to the you know supporting text or things that it was yes. based on and really yeah, kind she of does like diving, the research yeah diving into it which always makes a production better in my opinion absolutely I feel like there's a few that maybe I just don't love that much. <laughs> yeah, so I see, I see I, many. I think that might start maybe an unpopular hot take with Chicago. Mm. I don't, I don't care for it. Until recently, I'd never seen a production of Chicago. Mm. Then my friend from Wagner was just Roxy Hart on Broadway because she won the challenge pre-pandemic. So I went and saw oh God, it. That's incredible. She, she, yeah, because she was in it. I saw it now once. I'm glad I saw it with my friend. Yeah. I probably will never go back again. Yeah. That's kind of how I feel about, like, Oliver. I know you love (laughs) Oliver. I know you do. Which This was really another dig disguised as a – no, but I (laughs) I did a production of it when I was, like, eight. I don't know. It it is a good show. I know it is. And I don't need to see it all the time. Yeah. I agree. I detest The Music Man, but that's because I have a personal connection to the show. I know a lot of people love it. I just have no um, <laughs> desire to see a production of The Music Man. <laughs> I, I'm good. Mm-hmm. Very, very good. Yeah. That is another show that has some some really funny lines, some really catchy music. Some kitschy little fun Shapoopy. characters. Yeah. It's, what do you it's talk? Ho- what do you talk? What do you talk? What do you talk? <laughs> it's hokey and like kind yeah. of ridiculous. And I get why yeah. it's a little bit of a classic. I I don't know. To me, These revivals. I'm just like, all right. Yeah. It just, um, it feels, the Music Man to me feels like a very American, older demographic let's just go celebrate the red white and blue and i don't know if that's a fair <laughs> assessment for it but there it's just how i shows that feel like that to me like a, that's just how, yeah <laughs> yeah like anything I, goes feels a little bit like that to me oh see i love anything i, goes. I love I'm, anything goes i'm sad that it'll never be done again unless it has a rewrite but um that's another for, thing a lot of for shows, good reason yeah a lot of shows really desperately need a rewrite just for complete ignorance or blatant racism and obviously yeah, yeah, yeah. those productions are not being put on anymore which is great but rip it apart but that but see i'm i'm somewhere in the diff, in the middle don't rip apart the parts that are fine because it's no. genius just fix the parts that are broken because that's what happens i feel like with summary rights is that we like reinvent the wheel that's already spinning yes. and we don't need that right that's fair little shop though on this list little shop i love fucking love little shop yeah i think seymour is an endearing character like to the umph degree yeah i just saw the recent no not recent it's still on off broadway production of it who was seymour um the guy from how to get away with murder connor oh okay so it was not jeremy jordan okay no no no. this was post jeremy jordan before skylar aston before rob McClure. Mm. Um, it was good. I honestly, I had loved Little Shop. I feel like through you almost actually yeah. like listening to the music a lot, but I hadn't seen a lot of productions. I've never worked on a production mm-hmm. of Little Shop other than Wicked Shop of Horrors. <laughs> and 
seeing it in its entirety, I feel like it my level of love for it went down maybe one notch because there are some book scenes that I'm just mm-hmm. like, oh, move yeah. on, you know? Yeah. And the dentist is scary. The, the dentist, dentist is scary. scary. Honestly, the dentist <laughs> like, is my least favorite part of the And I'm show. scared of dentists in, in exactly. like the world that we live in. So exactly. like, I just, I don't trust them in that sphere either, you know? I know it. Another show that we did that I probably knew absolutely nothing about, none of the music, had never even heard of it before we did it, was How to Succeed in Business Without Really Trying. And that show is fucking hysterical. It is. Oh, it my is. God. Yeah. That that was the culmination of my personal hell. But I do <laughs> think that – We'll get to mine later when we talk about Legally Blonde. Literally. Um. Yeah, it's not again, it's a it was a fun show to be a part of. I think for me, and I'm not just alluding to the personal stuff that I keep joking about. I'm fine with everyone that that's about. <laughs> just a little it's just a little inside joke. Um but it was also the hell of the production that I think took it away from me. That was a, one of the many times in our gang when I was ready to um just throw on the towel and say I quit between the sinks and the costuming and and i had to be in brotherhood of man which (laughs) i was like i'm not doing that like it was just one hit after another and i was like when will this end it is a good comedy and i think that um it was another show like you said it wasn't really in my sphere i don't really know how it how it came up i don't know if i like i'm okay like i would work on it again if it i'm not like dying to do it yeah. Um. But it was a good one. I'm trying to think. What else did we work on? At our we did just, Carousel. Mm. Carousel is beautiful. I love Carousel. It's, it's my favorite. It's my favorite Rodgers and Hammerstein. It yeah. really is. Yeah, I think it's probably mine as well. Because like I don't know State Fair. Yeah. I don't know yeah. their Cinderella really. Which I mean, I saw your production of the original. <laughs> yeah. <was> so okay. <laughs> Cinderella just left a bad taste in my mouth. Uh, because of that production, there were so yeah. many. Th- yeah, talking like the hell of a production. But I feel like if we're talking about Southern, we must talk about Drowsy. <laughs> we can talk. Uh, about one of my favorite Drowsy Chaperone. Again, I did it at Southern Regional when I was in eighth grade. Marlena was the chaperone, um, and it was fun. Like that, literally, could not have been better. Um, and Jim McCabe directed that, which was literally the gift of a lifetime because I, I went to Southern Regional. Obviously, we were moving. I went to Barney at my whole life. We moved to Manahawkin partially so that I could be in his improv class. Literally, that yeah. is how badly I wanted to do that. So yeah. him directing, that was absolutely idyllic. Yeah, and I loved – it was so different than things that were done in this town. Exactly. It was different – than um things that I'd ever been exposed to at that point yet. So yes. I loved it so much. But it was good music, good choreography. Yeah. It's just costumes and I'm not, so fun. Yeah. And that was a role that I actually really liked Sutton Foster in. I thought that she was um mm-hmm. such a good Janet. She danced incredibly. She was hysterically in acting. She sounded great. Mm-hmm. Um yeah. 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 That show will forever be near and dear to my heart. People still literally talk about it. Yeah. It's like do. bananas. Um, so, yeah, I think that that's a cute – it's a cute part of our history. And I, I love that we worked on it before we were even friends. Yeah, it's true. That's the first – I said this in one of the other episodes. That was my first dose of Marlena Magnano. 
All right, Marlena, should we run through just some like touch base ones really quickly? Yes. So Wicked was the first show I've ever seen on Broadway. Really? Yeah, I saw it. Um, I remember I had the green Wicked sweatshirt and I had the picture of me. Like, I absolutely remember that. <laughs> yeah. And honestly, I did not see a Broadway show until I was probably in sixth or seventh grade, maybe. Yeah, I was it older was like, as well. Yeah, it was late in my life. Um, as if that's late, but you know what I mean. Um, <laughs> it's yeah. long. It's people forget how long it is. It is very long. But Wicked just holds a very, very special place in my heart because it was so popular right around the time where I was getting. I mean, I was always I was always into theater, but being more involved, moving into different areas of it, I was obsessed. I was obsessed with theater at the time that Wicked came out and got really, really popular. And it was the the song that everybody duetted. The amount of times that I have sang for good with one of my other musical theater friends is like truly appalling. Like it was just everything. The amount of times I put it on like a slideshow. Remember right. how, going back to how to succeed when I blub I literally started blubbering my last circle at our gang and that yes. was the song to like Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. That song yeah. and then what was the other really oh um it's a day or the day you had to stop dancing. It's from Chorus Line. Yeah. Um, um What I did for love. What I did for love. That was another massive yeah. circle, a goodbye song. Since you brought it up, Chorus Line I love. I worked on it at Wagner. I saw one production of it. Um but again, that is a show that I I see many people doing when they should not be. You need <laughs> dancers. Yeah. You need Serious triple. Dancers. That show is a triple threat show. Triple, triple threat. Anyway. We have to talk about Hairspray. And we have to yes. because, yeah. I mean, the second I knew of the existence of Tracy Turnblad, I felt like <laughs> my existence was validated. And I know that mm -hmm. seems really extreme, but I really truly mean it. And that is a part that I coveted. I wanted to play Tracy more than I wanted literally anything in the world. It did not happen. 30 it's, is your year. It's like, well, she is literally 16. So <laughs> <laughs> but, no, it's, it is a show and a role that I just hold very very dear and again yeah. still relevant it's so fun like it's so fucking funny oh my god how many years did i which we can do a whole podcast on how much i love michelle pfeiffer but oh um <laughs> how many times would i just walk around quoting her <laughs> and singing her and just literally for no good reason at all times you know yeah or sometimes I would go cinema scope just to say it because I like liked it. You know what I mean? Like Britney it is snow in that I fucking know. movie. Oh my god! Yeah. That is honestly for me that is the best adaptation movie musical that exists. Yeah, it is so good. I mean, I'm gonna temporarily agree with you because I'm sure other ones will come to mind. But yeah, it is really good. I didn't. I've never seen an actual stage production of Hairspray to be honest with you. But I do love Hairspray. It's I. I go through waves. Like, I will always listen to it. Sometimes I'll watch it. They were doing a, a viewing of it in Bryant Park, hmm. like, in the summer, and I didn't get to go. So we kind of already talked about Grease. I've never been in a production of it, but I've seen a few phenomenal productions of it. And I always wanted to be – I always wanted to be Jan. <laughs> I just thought that she was the most ridiculous. I love it. I think that I have only been in it once. I've never seen a production other than the one that I was in. Um, but I love the movie. I mean, it's, oh, the, it's you know. come on. 
But yeah, I uh, it's just a, again, it's another one of those shows that is a like in the cultural fabric. I feel like yes. to me, it screams America. Yeah, um, I don't know. I don't know why, but it just does. Because and, well, this is actually probably what's scary because it screams 1950s, which is still what America is screaming to this day. So, yeah, so yeah, so maybe it's that. <laughs> I will say that I loved Grace Live. I thought it was one of the better, better. live productions. I loved me some Aaron Tveit, even though he was far too old to be playing Danny. Yeah, Zico. I was just gonna say that I, I, I couldn't suspension of disbelief. Speak <laughs> about that in that moment, I couldn't. But Julianne Huff is just she's so hot, and so is he. Those thrusts, mm, daddy. But they lost me on. Um, there was one number. I think it was Grace Lightning. It was so good. I was so into it. And then they, no offense to women, then they brought women into it. I'm like, <laughs> no, no, what are we doing? You know what I mean? Like, what's yeah. happening here? Yeah. But speaking of Aaron Tveit, we must talk about Moulin Rouge the musical. We must. Because we, we went saw it to Boston. Boston. We yeah. went to Boston and saw it in previews. We did. Um, in the it was so literally good. the very, very top row. Yeah. Of the yeah. entire theater. Literally, the booth was directly behind us. And it was fucking stunning. It was one of the most gorgeous things I've ever seen in my life. Literally. A the spectacle. costumes and the <laughs> set. And little did I know I'd be working for someone who's married to the set designer now. The set. Yeah. It is just, it's gorgeous. Yeah. I don't. I've never seen anything like it. I don't have a bad thing to say about it, honestly. Yeah. And I had never seen, I had never seen the movie Moulin mm. Rouge, which I know is a sin that people are going to probably yell at me for. The but, movie's um, a delight as well. But. Yeah. I thought it was absolutely incredible. And it was, again, it's another one of those shows. I think I said this about, maybe it was about Gypsy. It's just theatricality yes. at its highest. You love Phantom of the Opera or you don't love Phantom of the I Opera? I don't. Um, I've never I've never seen it. I love the movie. I do love the movie because I really love Emmy Rossum and she plays Christine. She does a beautiful job. She's really a very beautiful Christine. But I mean, I, I really could do without it. I've never seen it on Broadway, you know, long running as it has been. I just don't have an interest. Some of the music is cool. All I ask of you is is one of my favorite duets. I think it's beautiful. Oh, I thought you were going to ask me something. <laughs> no, just. I literally don't even know the song titles. Yeah. But again. One is called The Phantom of the Opera. Spoiler. <laughs> well, Marley and I, going back to Wicked Shop of Horrors, oh in the God. villain scene, I played The Phantom of the Opera. So okay? really, you have seen it. Yeah, exactly. I re- I did method. Okay. Oh <laughs> um. Yeah. I. Yeah. I have to find pictures to at least post on our Instagram you story. Those can't do. like those cannot live. Oh my god, the splendor package! <laughs> live on forever. Okay. This is the only side story that I'll t- that I'll allow to keep in the podcast. So in this show, we had it was so low budget. We had to create our own costumes for be our guest. Yes, that's right. Be our guest was in Wicked Job of Horrors, and I said that I wanted to be in the front row. So I made a large ass cardboard over the like made a cutout, put it over my head on my shoulders, pick like Splenda packet. So they had no choice but to put me in the front row, and it worked. Um, but I got a lot of buzz even from Splenda. Remember they tweeted me like years later after. Um, I will never friend forget. Group. Yeah, resurfaced the picture and Splenda tweeted us. Yeah, yeah. Um, that was crazy. 
I digress. But yeah, I just, I don't know. It's never been, I've never seen really much of, of the legacy shows. So I've never seen Lion King. I've never seen Aladdin. I've yeah. never seen um, Phantom. I've never seen, until recently, I had never seen Chicago. Like I just, yeah. I don't know. I want to, but I just have not, not gotten there yet. Right. And I mean, probably because there's so much new content that yeah. we're really trying to, yeah. you know, elevate and emphasize. Um, yeah. So Gospel is the show that mm. made me never want to work on any other biblical show ever again. Um, <laughs> that's why I've never I've never done Joseph and I love that. And I've never done Jesus Christ Superstar and I love that. I like the music of Godspell. The story, I'm so sorry, Stephen Schwartz. I do not know what's happening. And maybe it's because I'm just not a religious person, but it's confusing and I don't like that. I don't like that show. <laughs> They're literally just parables. You know, like it's yeah. just like it's like little vignettes in between songs. But the music for me is beautiful enough where I don't care. And depending on how creative you are, which the last production that we worked on of Godspell was so beautiful the costumes were so intricate the set was so cool that i just i care more about what it is like theatrically and i think the thing with godspell that gets me is that and maybe this is the point of the show everyone has a different concept for it which is great mm. but for me my br my brain can't work in that yeah because you know you see a production of Gyps, every production is different, but like they all live under the same umbrella. Gospel, I feel like, is one of those shows that never does. Mm -mm. And it's I've super seen confusing so many me. different iterations of Gospel. You're correct. Yeah. It's just not, not it. Not it. I don't know if you've actually had any kind of contact with the next two shows. Newsies and Bonnie and Clyde are two other ones that I saw on Broadway specifically that I wanted to mention because they were phenomenal. And obviously, as you can tell, this was my Jeremy Jordan era when he was like <laughs> the king of Broadway and he was just like the hottest darn thing. Um, and my goodness, yeah. he could sing. So yeah, just any chance I got, except you want to hear the funniest thing. I specifically went to Newsies to see Jeremy Jordan. Guess who was playing <laughs> the main role? The day that I saw that, Corey Cott, Corey Cott, yeah. who it was so phenomenal that I didn't care, literally didn't yeah. care at all. But yeah, I love Corey Cott. Yeah. Yeah. He's like ridiculous. But this was very disappointing at the time. But both of those shows, I, I fucking love Newsies. I love it. There is yeah. something about an entire stage of men that can dance that sells mm -hmm. it for me. It's so hot. That's what it is. Um, <laughs> I know Newsies through you because we would listen to that song. I still don't know the title of it. I just could start singing too and and verbatim. Um, Which one? Right, what you know. So you say I don't know. What's <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> exactly. See the inflection on no. She just did it. Um, yeah. So it was that song. But no, it's I've never seen a production of it. I like the music. It's one of those shows that like I don't know. I, all I will say about Bonnie and Clyde is that it was fucking robbed mm -hmm. and that everybody should go and listen to the entire soundtrack just to feel something because there is never a day when I'm having a really bad time when scream singing Diane Ain't So Bad does not at least mm. fix about 10% of my problems. Yeah. I can't believe we haven't spoken about Millie yet. Oh my I God. I, again, another one that's not going to be done until it's rewritten, re but I think it is such a good show. Sutton was so good as Millie. That is the um, one role that I will give her. 
unbegrudgingly. Yeah. Yeah. I won't even give her Fiona and Shrek, but just. Um. <laughs> well, you didn't see Shrek. <laughs> Let's start there. Shrek. I watched the Netflix taping of it and I could never get through it. Yeah. That's but I insane. Lo- I- but I do love Shrek the musical. I I did it for the summer camp. Right. I enjoy it. I yeah. Do. The music is, is first of all, it is hysterical. Brian is. Darcy James is. Yeah really really wonderful his voice just has a quality to it Ooh, the tenor of it's just like delish but he's mm. great as shrek he is fantastic john tartaglia yeah. as pinocchio hysterical i'm sorry that i'm not adding substantial comments to the shrek conversation i just haven't seen it but maybe i'll add that to my challenge list i'm on season four of Shit's creek when i'm done with Shit's creek then i'll watch shrek the musical maybe that's what i'm great Great. That is the compromise. But back to Millie. Millie is another show that I just loved working on. I loved it. Costumes were beautiful. Music is so fun. That freaking, the speed test is one of my favorite scenes to see on a show or on a stage. Yeah, it's just good. I, I think I watch, I obsess sometimes over Tony performances when I'm high. Yeah. And I always watch a lot of Millie performances. And it was just so good. I'm also a whore. I don't know if they do this in Millie. I just thought about anything goes for a tap number. Yeah. You give me a tap number. I think tapping is one of the coolest things in the world. It's hard. You know what I mean? Just everyone being in unison and hearing yes. it. And you can hear when they're not. And it's just, yeah. so when they are, you know how precise and yeah. the precision that's there. No, and Sutton, I will give her this, is a phenomenal tapper. Yes, she that, is. They added tapping into the music man. Why? I don't know. But because she can tap. Just for her. So, but yes, they yeah. do do. The speed test is that, and forget about the boy, is a, a great tap number. Yeah. That's what I'm thinking about. There's yeah, just so many fun. And I mean, you know, Gimme Gimme is another song. Just let me scream mm-hmm. that. It'll be, I'll have a better day. And I feel like Millie used to be such a coveted musical theater role oh like all the oh girls want god millie. You know because I mean? millie yeah. is honest you know when you play obviously there are so many like musical theater roles particularly leading lady that are so superficial so fucking boring really like their character is just unsubstantial and boring and millie yeah. is honest and she's brave yeah. and she's funny and i love i love that character yeah I agree. So Les Mis, I feel like we must talk about because we love it. Yeah. I really do love Les Mis. I really, another show, all music. I have always loved Les Mis. I loved it so much that I specifically wanted to go and see it on Broadway. Got tickets to see the revival, was entirely underwhelmed by that production, unfortunately. But then Surflight Theater in a summer that Mm. I cannot recall did this show we got comps to go and see this show the shows that were at Surflight because we worked at show place across the street i used my own and any persons that would give them to me because i saw that show at least five times well you did because um, scott when he bowed he was like again literally yeah i was yeah. just i was in love i was enamored with the actors that played those roles because they did it fl- flawlessly yeah. And I, and I have to say, I feel like Les Mis is synonymous with the turntable. Yes. It's a lot of times that we are. Re- what? It is the reason why we never did it at Wagner, because they were like, you can't do Les Mis without a turntable, which 
I would argue because it's a really hard, there's a lot of changing scenery in that show. Yes. But somehow Starflight did it. Again, it goes back to the theatricalness of it. I forgot mm-hmm. for a minute that I was in the theater. Yep. And I love that. I love it. I love it. And it doesn't have to be a blowout musical. Mm-mm. I've seen so many plays that have captured me in the same way. 100%. Um, but yeah, sorry. Yeah. So Lame is, is a favorite. I would love for someone to do another production that literally blows me away. Speaking of a production that blew me away, the last time I saw Spring Awakening, when they were doing the mm. ASL revival, I was actually chemically changed by that show. Yeah, it was the best. Um, I had never known, I had never seen Spring Awakening, obviously, because I was very young when it was on Broadway. Um, it was I was not the audience for it either at the time. <laughs> but, you know, through you and some other folk, I was introduced to the album and it was great. But then I saw that production of it and I was like, in my opinion, no one should ever touch it again. And I know that that's probably mean of me to say, but I feel like after that, there was like this like resurgence of it being done in like community and regional theaters. And it just needed to not the um, HBO doc that just came out was fun to see, to give you insight into the original production. But that one, the revival will always hold the place in my heart. I agree. Yeah. That Death it West was Theater. an interesting documentary, save for the Leia Michelle uh, heart of it. But I I thought that that was sweet because it encapsulated so perfectly because that cast was so damn young when they started that show and they worked on it together for so long. It perfectly mm-hmm. encapsulated the feeling, the bond that you have when you're like 14, 15, 16, like those ages doing a show that you love with people that you really love and literally them feeling like your family. Yeah. I think I've that, felt that before. Yeah. I've 100% felt that before. It's it, literally that's why theater was a safe space that I needed literally for my entire life was because I needed, you know, to feel like I was safe and have family. And I, and I feel like I have felt like that for shows that we've done before, but it it was an equal, but different feeling during MJ because we were creating something from nothing. Mm. Right. It was the first. So I can't even imagine what they were feeling in spring awakening. Cause it wasn't like you were just doing a production of spring awakening that was bonding you. It was like, you were creating something that you didn't know at the time, but was going to be like this cultural literally thing. Literally. You know what I mean? Absolutely. Um, it's crazy. It's crazy. It is. It is crazy. And I like that it has kind of withstood the test of time. And the music is just, again, totally fucked. I'll put that on. Rage to it. Yeah. I feel like I have to give just a little SO to Mary Poppins because it was the first show I ever saw on Broadway. Much like yourself, I was 14. I went with our gang because our gang orchestrated a, a bus trip, a bus trip. to New York <laughs> to see Mary Poppins specifically because Kelsey Fowler was in it and she had historically been in our gang. Yeah. So, I mean, that was cool. It was incredibly cool to be 14 years old and see somebody you know on a Broadway stage. But so the show itself didn't really hit for me. I love the movie. I, the show is fun, but it's just it's mm-hmm. not my favorite. It's not super captivating for me, I guess, which is seems insane because people literally tap on the ceiling and she flies through the air. But I don't know. I don't know. Maybe if I saw it again now, it's been a very long time. But yeah. what was amazing was just being a theater kid who had found so much comfort and understanding and family and home within musicals to actually mm-hmm. see a show on Broadway was like 
that was yeah. it. That was crazy. Yeah. yeah, I haven't seen a production of Mary Poppins ever, but I hear that it's much darker than the movie is. Um, I'd agree with that. Yeah. All right. Let's talk about the the hit that I feel like m- it's not fading as in doing bad, but it's like not a part of the everyday conversation anymore, which is interesting. I mean, I, um, it had to pass eventually, right? It was it yeah. was going for a long time, and that is Hamilton. The 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 the, 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 the I love it. Me too. But I think that. I betrayed myself by listening to it before seeing it because I only had recently seen it, honestly, mm-hmm. post pandemic. I still have first seen time it. I really in person, and I think I'm just so attached to the original Broadway cast between the recording and then the Disney Plus recording. Like, it, everyone on stage when I saw it was absolutely incredible. And don't get me wrong, it was an absolutely incredible per- production and performance. Seeing it live, um, seeing it live, you remember how long it is? Mm-hmm. It is quite lengthy. Yeah, but there's just something about it was just a stacked cast. It honestly, it's a little bit like Wicked for me, where I just didn't super care once Adina had left. I was like, you know, mm-hmm. if I'm not seeing Chris and Chenoweth, and I don't, I just, I don't, I don't care as Did much. Did you see them? No, I didn't get to see them. Okay. So okay. I think that I was very attached to them, and I didn't see that show until we saw it. You took me to see my first Wicked. Like, I don't know. When I we, did? Yeah. When we won, I think we won the lottery. Wow. Maybe a five no years idea. ago. Yeah. Wow. So took my wicked genity. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it was good. It was so good. But yeah, I mean, I think I needed to wait all of that time to lose my connection with the, you know, OB Wake House recording so that way I could appreciate. Lin-Manuel Miranda is a very, very creative, talented mind. And I think that when you listen to In the Heights, you hear his style. You know what I mean? It is very, very clear. And there are some serious parallels between the two. Oh, my God. Anthony Ramos in Hamilton as well. Where I fell in love with him as little Philip. Well, I fell in love with him in Hamilton. And then I became infatuated (laughs) with him in the movie. I've never seen a stage production of In the Heights. But the movie was incredible. It really was incredible. I very much enjoyed the movie version of that. As promised, it is now time for the Disney showdown. And I just want to <laughs> clarify Marlena's statement before. It's not that I don't like Beauty and the Beast. I en- I didn't say that. I enjoy Beauty and the Beast. <laughs> don't put words in my mouth. <laughs> I, I have worked slash been in two to three productions of it. And I think it's great. I just think that Little Mermaid's better. And that's, I think, okay. Yeah. <laughs> It's okay, but is it correct? <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. I I also enjoy Little Mermaid. I do not in any capacity enjoy it as much as Beauty and the Beast. There are dancing plates. Like it is And we crazy. have dancing seagulls and forks and we have an a complete Oceana under the the fucking ocean that's dancing and singing and worrying about Ariel. You know what I mean? <laughs> I, we have I Ursula. Do. We have <laughs> Ursula. Okay, your villain falls in love with the protagonist. Okay, my villain fucking wreaks havoc. Okay, okay. If we're talking about villains, Ursula is a superior villain to pretty much anybody else. Thank you. No one really cares about Gaston, but Gaston and LeFou, if those two actors have good chemistry, are the best part of that entire show. Yeah. It's hysterical. Yeah. But I, I just think that, I don't know. I, um, I think that sometimes we don't 
we think about like the movie of Beauty and the Beast versus the musical of Little Mermaid. And we have to like, if I had to pick between I them, never people. think about the movie of Beauty and the Beast. I am thinking about the stage really? production. Yes. Okay, because I don't know how you like that more than the Little Mermaid. Nick, have just, you ever seen a great production like of Be Our Guest? Yes, Jessica O'Brien's production yes. of Be Our Guest. I and again, it was a again. There was a have, whisk. A, person, <laughs> a human being Listen, was a whisk. I, I was a cheese grater. Okay, I know what it's like <laughs> to be an inanimate object. <laughs> but what I'm saying is, is that it's not that it's bad. It's I enjoy productions of Be the Beast. I will put the soundtrack on. But if I had two contracts in front of me. I would always pick Little Mermaid because I think going back to it, it has the ability to be more theatrical than Beauty and the Beast does. Yes. Okay. In the in the beginning, you know, we have the whole transformation, which is gorgeous. If it's and at the end, that's gorgeous if it's done right. But the Little Mermaid, you're underwater, right? So then we deal with like fabrics and sometimes mm-hmm. we puppets and gobos and cool lighting. People, if it's done correctly and, and well, are healing all over the stage in The Little Mermaid, right? Because they're yes. all these underwater animals. Healing I, just doesn't do it for me. Remember Healy's? Ah! Yes, I don't. I can't. Yeah, yeah. Um, but to, yeah, I don't know. It's just, and again, but I, I think it goes back to the core of who our favorite princesses are. As a princess, mm. I don't like Belle. I love Ariel. That's a very strong statement. <laughs> you don't like her? What did she do? Well, I feel like a lot of the the hate on Ariel is that she, like, ditched her family and friends for Dick. And while that is true, Belle literally fell in love with a beast. Like, so I don't real And, like, I don't work around. The message is that she fell in love with the person inside of the beast, you shallow fuck. Okay, but 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 what is the message of being held captive by someone and then being and then magically falling in love with them? What is that okay, message? That is Stockholm syndrome. But he okay. Lets her what is, okay. What is that? What he is that? He lets her out and he feeds her dinner. Okay. I think this is a larger conversation <laughs> that Disney's earlier movies were just problematic in general. Yeah. Um, yeah, and that I like yeah. the Stockholm syndrome trope is probably the the bigger and, bit of contention here. And I personally find, especially in the movie, and hopefully you'll agree with me, I felt I find Belle very boring. I think the musical gives her a lot more opportunity to be something more than boring, which I appreciate. But I think that The Little Mermaid gives Ariel even more of that opportunity. You know, it makes them more human and real, which yeah. is weird because it's a Disney movie. I don't know. It's a, I don't know. I don't know. In The Little Mermaid, like, you have smoke. It's just more theatrical. There's more places to go with it. But again, I I see what you're saying about Beauty and the Beast. Yes, it's cool. We have dancing plates and we have wardrobes that are operetta and we have, you know, all of this stuff. But it just, I don't know. I think it comes down to what I was saying is I think it comes down to our favorite princesses and our favorite movies is where they come into play. And mine has always been Ariel and yours has always been Belle. It's fair that that might be contributing. Yeah. Though I do, I don't know, I challenge you to find a song that Prince Eric has that's as good as If I Can't Love Her, so. Okay, that's fine. I can <laughs> I can give you that one. I mean, I, don't, I personally don't like If I Can't Love Her, but I also don't like his song either. Oh. The last thing I'll say in The Little Mermaid is that, I will be honest too, I really don't even pick The Little Mermaid really for Ariel. I do love her, but it's Ursula. Like, that's yes. what I mean. And that's why that's I fair. love The Little 
the Little Mermaid too because Ursula's sister <laughs> and Ariel's daughter, they are sassy little girls. And I mm. love it. I love it, love it, love it. But moving on to musicals that we love, that we're going to close with three, really two, that we could spend another 45 minutes talking about. And we very mo might. Um, but let's start with Waitress. It's weird. Another show during a tumultuous time in our lives that we all saw together during mm-hmm. Fleet Week in New York City. Oh, my God. And it was during Fleet Week. There were sailors everywhere. I loved Waitress. Mm-hmm. Um, I think Jesse Mueller has a voice yeah. that is like from another planet. Literally. Yeah. And it was so – it was uh, music and lyrics by Sarah, Bale- Sarah Bareilles, her yep. first musical ever, adapted from the movie, which I've never seen Waitress, the movie. Have you? I have not seen it. If I have, it wasn't in its entirety. Yeah. But I love Sarah. I have loved Sarah my yeah. entire life. Literally, like, yeah. right, ba- right back down to love song. But that one was so theatrical in another way. Like, there was no pomp and circumstance. It was just real, genuine performances yeah. that made it so theatrical, right? You had Jesse that was so good in everything that Jenna needed to do. Drew, who I can attest is an amazing human, both on that stage and off of it. He is, the be- like, such a nice, genuine man. Was so good so, as the doctor. So endearing. I think that the you know the script itself the book is so honest that if you were to have as you keep referring to like a subpar cast a cast that cannot carry that type of content it'll suffer it has never suffered no especially did not suffer at the very beginning Jesse was just yeah. Jesse and Drew together were wonderful I saw it again I think Sashana Bean yeah she was and Jeremy Jordan played opposite each other that's what I went to see it with Bianca and we saw them so Marlena, this you referenced it very early on in this episode that Legally Blonde was when your personal life was in chaos. And while we're not going to talk about why it was in chaos, I feel like you should open the Legally Blonde. Box. Yeah. So this was, I feel like it wasn't long retirement. This happened in 2012. I graduated high school in 2011, so maybe it had just yeah. been a little while since I had stage managed for our game. Yeah, so I came back. For Legally Blonde, and I met Nick Durst, who had, in my absence had stepped up into my previous position. Today. And really, the beautiful friendship just bloomed. And that production was a fucking monster. Mm-hmm. I cried. Yeah. I don't cry. <laughs> <laughs> I just, <laughs> I don't. Um, yeah. Yeah. Because again, Legally Blonde, I would argue you actually, I mean, you do, you need the cast. But what you really need are like deep, mm. deep pockets. Yep. You need Monty Hunty. Mm-hmm. And I'm sorry, no production I've seen re- regionally, community wide, has ever done it for me personally. Nope. Um, but the show is just infectious. It is so good, that show. That's such a good word for it. It right? is infectious. Yeah. Yeah. And I, because my, if I'm going to be pretentious for one second, I when I see theater, it's two things. Either why do I care and how is this relevant? Like I, I need to walk away with like some sort of conversation or like insight mm. something. Or I just need to really thoroughly enjoy myself. And if you do both, wow. Yeah. But I feel like Legally Blonde, The Cher Show, SpongeBob, mm. these were all like incredible performances, incredible shows. And I left just so happy and I enjoyed yeah. myself. You know what I mean? Yeah. And there's something about that type of theater, too. 
Yeah. And I mean, I love Legally Blonde from the movie. So Reese Witherspoon, mm. the character. Yes! Of, yeah, Reese Witherspoon is just, she's like a delight, like a true just little gem. But yeah. Elle Woods is a beloved character. It is literally the most empowering story. She's she's beloved, like I said. So them making this musical, it needed to be very particular. And then the yeah. people that play, right, which they did that show. They did the show to find that, out Woods. Finding out Woods, yeah. Oh my yeah. gosh. And that was, I think that was after, that was to replace Laura Bell Bundy. Yeah. I feel like in a way it was the first dipping of the toe and taking something that already had such brand recognition and like a cult following and trying to make something new and exciting, but also like reverent of it, if that's the right word. Yes. I don't know if that's, um, yeah. yeah, that production, it, but going back to it, it was a beast. There was oh three stage God. managers. It was me, it was you, and it was Brie Dini. Mm-hmm. And we rented the set. We called it the Barbie Crack House because people <laughs> had to literally, which oh I, don't know that, I don't know if that's okay to say in this time, but people, the I'm not kidding, the sorority house, bags. yeah, the girls would go in the windows, but because it was so janky, it would tip forward. So people between real sandbags and then other like the heaviest people in the cast would have to stand on it during the opening number. Um, the staircase. Um, the fucking double-sided library into Callahan's office that the wheels would never work and dug up the stage. And I literally almost <laughs> walked out because I, I couldn't handle it. You have Just such about- a vivid memory. Honest to God, Nick, like it, when I it's say- It's trauma. Like it's not- yes. No, no, no. It's trauma. <laughs> it is not vivid. It is flashbulb trauma. But I have the opposite effect where because it was so traumatic, I think I tried to block yeah. so much of it out that I don't yeah. even really remember this time in my life besides I feel like I just cried every day. And I, anyone listening to this that was in the show, it has nothing to do with the people in it. I want everyone to know that I, I don't hate anyone. I love you all. No, it was a it, wonderful experience overall. It was just it was just me, you, Jess, and at the time, Ryan Mulholland carrying day, a show on our day. back that needed a real team. And I was, again, 14 or 15. I remember... <laughs> I remember making to-do lists and going through notes at my lunch table at Southern Regional in 10th grade. And they're like, what are you doing with a legal pad? I was like, don't talk to me. I'm typing. <laughs> like, like, leave me alone. Like, get away from me. Um, and I'll never forget opening night. Opening night for us, right, Marlena? It was a it was, piece of shit, really. It was really, really trying. But I'll never forget those fucking things kept digging holes. And I cried. An intermission. I just stood in the center of circle and I just was like, this is it. Like, this is where it comes to an end. It's never going to happen. Yeah. And I think, was I, did I do lights for that show? I yeah, don't think I was it, backstage. It was, it was the ongoing fight of who, and she was right. I'll say, Jessica Bryan, you were right. Someone should have been out front. But we always wanted to be on the back because we yes, thought that because we, we were control freaks. And if yeah, something was exactly. going wrong, we, yeah. 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 But, um, no. but I think you were in the booth for that. Yeah. Um, no. It was scary. Um, I'm trying to think of any other like notable legally blonde things. Just, but, just the trauma. But not not just our experience, but as a show, I guess. It's just so fun. So yeah, that was a, a time in our lives. And I'm grateful that we did it. And again, yeah. I love the show and will love the show forever. I, I what that show I think um did for me is it made me you gave me very nice words about being a good stage manager and director. I think it was the product of that show. I think the mm. fact that that was one of my 
because it was the first show. <laughs> yeah, it was the first show that I was an assistant on because I did assistant for Oliver and me and my girl. So it was the first time I was a stage manager on my own. Not on my own, but you know what I mean? I had the title of it. Yes. And it basically taught me everything to never do and all of the boxes to make sure are checked before the next time. And I feel like that is yep. the biggest thing that I took away from that show, that beast. Yeah. Yeah, I just like kind of picked up my sanity and what was left of my pride and just kind of left. Exactly. Literally. <laughs> the one that I have to just say quickly that we didn't even talk about in the camp of just being fun, Mamma Mia. Okay. Saw it in London. Love Mamma Mia. I love the movies. All of the movies. If you make a third one, you better put Meryl in it because I hate you for the second one. Um, but all of it is just incredible and I need that to be revived as well. You cowards. Do it off Broadway. Do it at New World Stages, a small little venue. It would sell out every night. Just do that. Yeah, I'm not the hugest fan of Mamma Mia, but the music. I mean, ABBA, I am yeah. a huge fan of. So I, I like the premise. Yeah, I mean, Meryl Streep does no wrong. But the premise is good. The music is fun. I just didn't love it. Actually, I like the story of the second movie better. Yeah. All right. As we come up on our final show. This one's going to be hard for me to talk about because I really just love it so much. And everyone should. Yeah. The last five years. Yeah. That is when we we, we turn to the J.C. Robert Brown cult forever. I will be part of that forever. Yes. Yes. So before we even start, I will have to open with that. My favorite last five years is the original. Marlena, what's yours? I, too, like the original. Yeah. So the thing about the last five years, for people that don't know what it is, I, it is a story by Jason Robert Brown, music and lyrics, everything by him. It's a song cycle. There's very, very little yep. spoken word. Yeah. Uh, obviously why it was immediately in my camp. Yeah. It is loosely based on him um, and his first wife. But it tells his story from beginning to end. And it tells her story from the end to the beginning. And they never interact in real time together except the middle which is their wedding and they very rarely in most productions share the stage besides songs that they're both singing in but even then they're in different times of their relationship Mm -hmm. um and it's just the most beautiful music it is so delicious for actors Mm. it is so many ways that you can be creative when it comes to set and just like a production concept there's so many ways that you can do it I want to do gender bent productions of it. I think that would be very interesting. Very interesting. Um, Nick, if you want to get me out of retirement, you can do a production of the last five years that you direct. And I will just sit next to you for the entire time. We've had many uh, dynamics in our friendship, but me directing you has not been one of them. Oh, no, no, no. Oh, no. Not me in it. Oh! Oh my god oh, no. oh. i was like please come play kathy no i just i just meant like i would want to be involved with that. oh yeah that would oh, pull yeah. me out of out of retirement we've already talked about that that's that's gonna happen um they also need to revive it like now yes but you, again you cowards so all of the, i digressed all of that is to say that i didn't like the movie because i thought that it made it very confusing <clears throat> if you had never seen the last five years it was a very confusing way to be introduced to it and even me knowing it and working on it was confused (laughs) yeah i really the movie i did not like unfortunately at all which was sad because we were so excited for it because i love jeremy jordan and anna Mm -hmm. kendrick i do love anna kendrick i think she's very talented and we know my my history of love for jeremy but 
didn't hit for me. But that show was one of the, again, it was just really the four of us. It was me, you, Jess, Ryan, and then obviously Nicole was playing Kathy. And we sat at her dining room table Mm -hmm. for hours picking i still have the documents every single line of dialogue and song lyric Mm -hmm. to interpret and reinterpret and question and challenge and flip upside down every angle of what could possibly been meant by every fucking word and it was truly one of the most like enriching experiences i've ever had and we read it like we like completely rejiggered the script and read it in order for both of them we read it backwards for both of them yep um yeah and it was always the same process for the songs we would read it you know we did those read-throughs i think we probably did like a month or a week or two of of this pre-work um and then it was like we read it with just nicole and then we had Mm -hmm. our it was there was always stages to it but we we did this at the surflight theater on lbi in the middle of the fucking winter so we literally (laughs) it was a dark island and barely tea. anything was open and we were there every single day yeah it was sponsored by the california grill their burgers and their salads that's literally literally, literally every literally. single day or um, um cream cheese stuffed pretzels from wawa which was also my snack of choice at that time yes lots and lots of those and yeah. do you remember the, the night there was a storm and driving back home over the bridge i swear In to tiche? god that was yeah. gonna be the end and of we my were- life yeah, Marlena yeah. had a very old, probably 98, 97. It was 99. It was a okay. 99 white Nissan Altima. Okay. Sorry. Well, okay. Well, we were in the year of like 2013, 2014. <laughs> so let's just be clear. Do the math on that. <laughs> um, and she was great. She was a great old car, except on the storm that Marlena talked about on the Causeway Bridge. I thought that, that we were going over. Like, it was so bad. We thought about sleeping over at, at, um, Star- at Starlight, Jesus Christ, at uh, Surflight that night. Yeah. Um. It was bad. Yeah. It was dark. But sure. that going back to the show for a second, that show communication, mm-hmm. right? Um, I personally blame them both. I yeah. don't like Kathy that much. <laughs> um, I don't like Jamie for what he did, but I think that there is something to say that, like, not that she pushed him there because that is his choice and he made that choice and. He speaks about that, that he made the choice. Constant, deliberate mistakes um, that I just got full body chills thinking about that line. <laughs> but in a way, like, she was intolerable. Like, mm-hmm. I'm so sorry, girl. This was a hard, this is a hard industry to make it in. Like, and yeah. I get being upset. I get being sad. I get also the hurt and pain that comes from the person you love essentially living out his dream. But, like, no. No, no, yeah. no, 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 no. Yeah, I think that was what was so cool about dissecting it was that at the end of the day, where was the fault? It didn't really matter. Like, it, you know what I mean? Like, it, it's so much more than that. The intricacies of each of their journeys and uh, trying to balance like the selfishness of getting what you worked really, really hard for with the selflessness of supporting your partner. Like, it's just, it's so real, you know? It, and it literally was real. And that's I think that's why I love it so much is because it feels like I'm literally sitting in someone else's living room, especially as a therapist and viewing couples and, and the relationships and the problems that they have. That feels all the more real now, I would say. Yeah. And I know you just said that it's hard, but I'm going to ask you the question. <clears throat> if you had to, whose fault? As a therapist, it... it, it goes against my belief that both people are a problem if in most cases both people are a problem when infidelity has occurred there is something 
systematically wrong in the relationship that both people have contributed to and one party decided to go out. That is his fault. So for me, it's yeah. But I, yeah, so I agree with all that. But for me, I guess I don't blame their, the crumbling of their marriage on just the infidelity. I think it no. was a, a whole host of things. No, I and think I blame a lot of things contributed to getting yeah. to that point. And for me, it's her. Because I, I think that it, I think we see very clearly up until the infidelity. And I'm not, let me be clear, I am not promoting infidelity. I am not saying that he was in his right state of mind or whatever to cheat. But I think that up to the infidelity, homeboy did all he could, supported her, tried to bring her out, tried to introduce her to people, tried to, you know what I mean? And I just feel like every step of the way, she was like, now I'm mad that I'm not progressing and you, you know what I mean? So from, I think they are both have faults, but I think, I think the snowball started with Kathy, in my opinion. Yeah. I mean, you do see that in our favorite song, If I Didn't Believe in You, when he really is just kind of begging her, you know? And of course, there is also like, well, and again, this is just me making like an extra whole music out of it. But like, when was If I Didn't Believe in You sung? Did we already meet Elise? Did we already start the, you know, Mm. shenanigans with her on the side? Like, Like, you know what I mean? And that's what's so cool about the show is that we created our own timeline, right? We took what Jason Robert Brown put in the script, but then we filled in our own gaps, which is what all actors do. Mm-hmm. But it's it, it's another way, kind of like Godspell, how you can make each production your own. And sometimes yeah. the audience will never see it or never know, but yeah, you, you do. Know. You know right. what I mean? And that's what makes it so much fuller, so much more enriched of a performance yeah. if you have filled in all of those gaps. Yeah. Oh, so I that's, feel like that's I just, a favorite forever. And I can just listen like I'm gonna listen to it driving to your house tonight, Marlena. Yeah. At first I was gonna put on the gay blonde and then we started talking about this and I said, No, I it's gotta this. put the other one on. Yeah. Um, all right. So here's our closing question, and I'm gonna surprise you on this question. Not about last five years, but just in general. Give me three to five soundtracks that we did not speak about that people should listen to. So that's a really difficult question. I'm gonna do th- three. One is a show that I did. I was four, I was fourteen, and we did a production of Forty Second Street. But I had gotten surgery to reconstruct my clubbed foot, so I literally was in a cast, like li- right up until the show. So I was Marty, who was the piano player, because that was the only role that I could sit in. But I love that show. I think Forty Second Street. It again, it's entirely tap. So it's just I saw it in London it was so good it's just good and the shows yeah it's theatrical and it's you know old school and it gives you that like cool nostalgic feeling and I I really do just I love it uh we didn't talk about Dear Evan Hansen which is obviously newer but I think the soundtrack to that is one that I had on repeat for months Mm. and somehow unbelievably I don't know how we did not speak about this but Rent Mm. Ren is yeah honestly i've seen a few productions in person that i didn't necessarily love mm-hmm. i think i almost maybe prefer the movie but i love that the og cast is like almost always still involved you know like yeah. because that's all i want to hear all i want to hear is anthony rap all i want to hear is adam pascal i don't care about these other jokers you know so yeah. give that to me forever and i do i listen to rent often as well Nice. I have a. F- I have actually. Yeah, what about uh, you? 
I have probably too many, but Parade by Jason Robert Brown. Songs for a New World by Jason Robert Brown. Oh my Uh, God. (laughs) Songs for a New World. Yeah. Yeah. So good. Um, The Wild Party, but I personally love the Andrew Lippa version. There's also a show by John Lacuza. Some people really love that version. I love the Andrew Lippa version. Batboy. Call me Batboy. Um, Sound, which is Mm. running on Broadway and still going strong. Come From Away, which is closing soon. Definitely love that one. You love that. I didn't get to see it. I do. I saw it like two or three times. It's really, really good. All right, Marlena. We come to the end of our road. It's that was a lot of for... shows. <laughs> yeah. That was a lot. That was a lot. And I feel like there's an infinite amount that we didn't even talk about. 100%. So if there's if there's ones that we didn't talk about or we left out, please comment. And maybe we'll do a part two or a part three of this. Um, and yeah, we also want to hear what you thought about all of the shows that we spoke about in this episode. So Marlena, the mental health moment yeah. of today. It is... Um, our final question that we've got from Instagram followers. So we'll put that re up this week so that you guys can put some more in, but it is, um, the question is how do you navigate and handle high times of stress? Mm. Smoke weed. (laughs) Occasionally. So how do I, I check in with myself. I say this every Mm. time. I check in with what I need and I do the hard stuff, right? So I think separating yourself, giving a little bit of separation, even if that's just mental distance from whatever is stressing you out and also recognizing all of the other little things that happen throughout your day Mm -hmm. that are adding to your stress, right? So if we're going on social media and we're constantly bombarded right? The same thing we talked about in both the last two episodes. If we were constantly bombarded with messaging that is, you know, traumatizing, that is adding to your stress, whether you're consciously aware of that or not. Yeah. Right. So take a social media break, put your freaking phone down, try to live in the moment. So what does in the moment look like to keep that healthful and healthy? Getting good sleep, Right, not putting that off mm-hmm. because again, we know what happens to our brain when we do not sleep, and to be have a stressed and tired brain is nomas really, really not great. So, make sure that you're sleeping, make sure that you're hydrating, make sure that you're eating food that actually fuels your body, and we're not skipping meals and you're just ignoring our hunger cues. If you have ways of movement that you enjoy, movement helps with stress so significantly, and it actually also helps with focus. And sometimes when people can't focus on things, right, and there's so much that they still need to do, that can be a struggle as well. But they keep putting off taking these breaks because they, you know, I need to focus. I need to stay in the zone. Go walk for 10 minutes and you will have two hours of increased focus. Yeah, I was just about – I was just about to say that because something that I've adapted, I will say that when I have stress, it's always coupled with anxiety for me. I know that some people do not suffer from anxiety and I am jealous of you. Um, (laughs) But – Something that I read in, it's actually, it may have been The Gifts of Perfection or Alice of the Heart. I'm not sure. But Brene Brown, our queen, she spoke about it and she gave the analogy of like being in a restaurant, right? When you're serving at a restaurant, you're in the weeds. It's stressful. It's whatever. It's, you know, but it's normal. You're kind of used to it. Being blown out is when like you literally don't know what to do next. And she's like the best things to do in that is to take a break, go watch a 30 Mm -hmm. minute TV show, go, like you said, walk, do something and just let your mind completely reset. And I find that in doing that, it has helped me immensely because like you said, if your body 
doesn't know what if your brain i should say doesn't know what to do and literally cannot pick something and execute it like <laughs> there's too much in the sphere and you just need to exactly. just breathe and sit down exactly yeah yeah you know taking care of yourself taking care of your body not trying to like I don't know, like you, you just said smoking weed, like yes, maybe sometimes, but also drugs and alcohol can also mm. significantly contribute to, trust, to stress. Alcohol is a depressant. So yeah. sometimes we drink alcohol and actually feel way worse. So being aware yeah. of if I'm going to put a mood and mind altering substance into my body, how do I feel beforehand? That's why to try to avoid something. Yeah, that's why I honestly stopped drinking. I, half mm -hmm. of it was, was because I was a stoner and like I just – well, not was I am, and and now that I smoke weed regularly, I don't really have the craving for drinking. I don't like it, and also it was that it was like I didn't. I just became so in my thoughts, but not in yeah. a productive way. It was just yeah. very destructive behavior, but also like destructive um, self talk to myself. You know what I mean? So, yeah. but I will say, I know people are on many sides of this fence. I do say that weed helps, and just like anything just like medicine that's prescribed to you by a doctor you know you got to find the sometimes i feel that all strains kind of affect me the same way but there are some people that have really high sensitivity to indica sativa hybrid and even within those branches like you know specific strains right. and if you find the ones that help they real it can really really help that's my psa yeah. on weed no absolutely yeah and so you know if that is part of taking care of yourself then it's that but just making sure that we are taking the time taking the time to stop literally to pause reflect on what's going on make sure that you have um kind of a cope ahead plan right if we know that we are stressed and especially if we know that the stress is not going to discontinue anytime soon making a cope ahead plan. How can I create structure that works within this stress? Or yeah. how can I create structure that reduces this stress? Can I ask for help? Can I take anything off my plate? Sometimes we have to, instead of kind of going, 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 which is usually the case when we are so stressed, right? We're, so we're just trying to reach the end goal, but the, the end goal keeps moving when we operate exactly. in, that, in that manner. Yeah. Exactly. So t just taking a second to evaluate and reevaluate maybe the, some of the assumptions that we have to make it easier to give ourselves a lighter load to ask for help. Yeah. Right. Putting this our side apart a little bit so that way we, we can ask for the help that we need. So, you know, I think really it's just about that evaluation the same way that it always is. What needs do I have right now when needs are not being met and how can I meet them a little bit better? But certainly stopping taking a break, giving yourself periods of time to just do things that are enjoyable, even if that is not super convenient, it's necessary. It's more necessary than the 15 minutes you're going to spend doing something else. Put down your fucking phone, take a break, go outside, breathe, and be nice to yourself. Amen, sister. <laughs> All right. Well, this is the end of our episode for today. Um, we hope that you enjoyed all of these Broadway musicals, the hot takes and the cold takes. And we can't wait to hear <laughs> your takes in the Instagram and comments. Next if week, we're doing anything about them. I hope that you take the opportunity yeah. to go and listen to them. Yes. Oh, my God. They all of them have. Maybe we'll do the same thing we did for the books and we'll post like our favorite recordings yes. of the shows that we've spoken yes. about. Um, Promise. But Marlena, next episode where I think we're doing something kind of different and fun, right? Yeah. Next week, I really we were talking about audience engagement and wanting to get to know you guys and having you guys get to know us. Uh, and I think that we're in 
such crazy spaces in our lives and so much has changed. We just want you guys to get to know us a little bit. We're going to do a fun and flirty 20 questions yes. episode. Yes. But you guys are going to be the ones asking the questions. So you're going to submit and we're going to answer. And we're each going to answer the same questions. And you're free to, if you have a question specifically for one of us, let us know. But, you know, we're going to both do that. And hopefully we'll fill a whole episode and with some hot topics and a mental health moment at the end. But, yeah, you'll get to know us. And then the week after, I think we're going to take a little more taboo stance. And we're going to do an episode Mm. on sex and sexuality. So we hope that you like us on Instagram. Exactly. Like us on Instagram. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. And we will see you next time on Morning Tea. Love you. Bye. Love you. Bye.